0: You're listening to Calvary College Audio. Well, hello again. This is our last in a series on the Gospel of John. It's been great to be together with you over these six episodes, and we've discovered together great truths from the Gospel of John. And even though we couldn't go through every verse in the book, we were able to cover a lot. And in fact, today, I want to again reiterate the basic synopsis of John. And then I want to give you some key passages. And so you might want to get out a pen or paper or make notation on your phone here, because I'm going to give you some key verses throughout the Gospel of John, that if you look them up, then instead of reading the whole gospel, you can read these verses and get the gist of the whole book. Anyway, remember, as we've said over and over again, the gospel of John presents Jesus as the Son of God, divinity in human form, and the author of eternal life to all mankind, in and through his death, burial, and resurrection. And so, We have given you some trivia, we've given you some special features, we've given you some perspective of each of the Gospels along the way. We focused on John, the person, and the passages, and the personalizing. And so, um, um, I hope that you gained some insights uh, as we went through the book together. But here we go. I want this is kind of detailed, but uh, I'm going to give you time to write these down or make note of these somewhere so that you'll have what I believe to be the absolute key verses in this book. okay ready? chapter one, verse 1, verse 12, verse 14, verse 17 and verse 29, that's chapter 1. Then go to chapter 3, chapter 3, verse 3, 16 and 17, 30 and 36, that was chapter 3. Go on to chapter 5, that's verse 24, verse 28 and 29, and verse 39, that was chapter 5. Then go on to chapter 8, which is verses 12, 21, 36, 44, and 58. That was chapter 8. And then chapter 10, verse 9, verse 11, and verse 28. More key verses. We move on to John 14. And in that chapter, verses 1 through 6, and also verse 27. That was chapter 14. Then we move to chapter 15, verse 5 and verse 18. That was chapter 15. Chapter 16, verse 7, and verse 33. Almost done. Hang in there. Chapter 17, 1 through 3, and verse 20. That was chapter 17. Chapter 18, verse 37. And then move to chapter 19 at 17 and 18. And then chapter 20, verse 21, and verses 30 and 31. So, those are the key verses, and of course, I would say all of chapter 21, uh, those 25 verses. But I hope that will be helpful, uh, kind of detailed, but hopefully that will be helpful in you understanding uh, the book of John, the gospel of John, and this fabulous account of Jesus, and who he was, what he did, and how what he did proved who he was. Well, let's look at our last passage together in John 21, the last chapter in the book, and we're going to look at the first 14 verses. And it's kind of a story of of Jesus uh, in resurrection form, glorified form, um, meets with Peter and some of the other disciples. And yet this is after the resurrection appearances in the upper room and um, things have kind of uh, mellowed out and it's after these things. In fact, if you look at chapter 21, verse 1, that's the first three words, after these things. And if you think about it, there were a lot of things that happened before this. All the way, I mean, you can go all the way back to uh, the chapter 1 of John, and it's a lot of things that happened. Well, but in particular, after the crucifixion and the burial and the resurrection and the appearances of Jesus alive to the disciples in the upper room. And so follow along as I read. Uh, John 21, 1 through 14. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and in this way he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee, sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, We are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, "'Bring some of the fish which you have just caught.' Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land, full of large fish." hundred and fifty-three! "'And although there were so many, the net was not broken. "'Jesus said to them, "'Come and eat breakfast.' "'Yet none of the disciples dared to ask him, "'Who are you?' "'Knowing that it was the Lord.' "'Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, "'and likewise the fish. "'This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples,' after he was raised from the dead. Isn't that an interesting story? It's it's, uh, an account that wraps up the Gospel of John well in that, uh, you know, the disciples, Peter leading the way, just kind of anticlimactic, a little let down. I mean, they didn't really know what to do now. jesus probably hadn't appeared to them in the last few days and so peter says i'm just gonna go fishing i mean he was a fisherman he fished every day of his life probably and it's been three years probably since he's done any fishing because he has been following jesus as his disciple and so we don't know what was going through his mind but him and uh Half a dozen other of them, disciples, said, okay, we're going fishing. And that's what it says in verse 3. Peter says, I'm going fishing. And the others say, we're going fishing with you also. And so they went out at night. And generally that was the best time to catch fish. But they didn't catch any. And we find that in verse 4, when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not know it was Jesus. They were so far off, they could just see a figure there on the shore, and they didn't recognize him. And in verse 5, Jesus shouts to them across the water from the shore, Children, have you any food? They answered, No. And so they're probably thinking, This is strange. Um, Why is he asking if we have any food? Does he need food? Does he want to give us food? They didn't really know, and they hadn't caught any fish, so uh, they didn't have any food for him anyway. Well, in verse 6, he shouts to them again, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they were probably curious, so they just cast the net out, and there was a multitude of fish, it says. I mean a whole bunch of fish big ones too and in verse 7 John by the way uh, John describes himself as uh, the one whom Jesus loved there in verse 7 that disciple whom Jesus loved and um, that is unique to the gospel of John and here again we're thinking that John was very close to Jesus, maybe the closest disciple to him. And in this passage, he recognizes that this is Jesus because he just did a miracle. And um, he told Peter, "It is the Lord." Now, once I'm a Peter heard this, he, <laughs> uh, he he was working hard getting these fish in, and he had peeled off his shirt, and now he puts it back on because he's going to go into the Sea of Galilee, and that's probably cold, and so he plunges into the sea, (laughs) and so he's not going to wait to get the boat to shore, it's Jesus, I'm going, I'm swimming, and he probably swam as fast as he could, and he was probably smiling all the way because he wanted to see Jesus again and so um, the other disciples in verse 8 there they come in a a little boat actually there's two boats so they get together and they're they're dragging the net of this with this fish they're rolling their way to shore holding on to the this big net that's full of fish they can't even get it into the boat and uh, as soon as they come to land in verse 9 they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. So Jesus was camping out. At least he had a campfire. And he'd already caught some fish of his own. And he was broiling them on coals. And he had some bread too. And so in verse 10, Jesus said to them, they were all kind of coming up on the shore. and They had dragged their boats on the shore. They dragged... This net of fish onto the shore a little bit, and and uh, Jesus says, Bring some of the fish which you have just caught. And he knew he needed some more fish, I guess, to cook for them. And Simon Peter, verse 11, went out, helped him drag all these fish in, and it's very specific, it says, There's 153 of them, and they're big. <laughs> I think that's neat that it's very detailed like that. And also says that the net didn't even break. Oftentimes they have a big catch like that. The net would break. But miraculously, it didn't. Emphasis on the miraculous. A lot of miraculous things happen when Jesus is around, even little things. In verse 12, Jesus said, come and eat breakfast. And so the disciples... (laughs) they are awestruck you know here he is again he's in glorified form sitting on a beach eating fish and bread with them and and they it just is dawning on them once again and maybe for one of the last times before he ascends back to heaven that this is who he is. He is God. And he is the one that can do miracles. And also, he's the one that loves us and saves us. And they all knew who he was. And they dared not, in verse 12, it says, the disciples They didn't dare ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. And I think that's interesting there. Um, And we're going to come back to that. But I want you to realize at that point, Jesus simply came, took the bread, gave it to them. Likewise, the fish, he's handing out bread and fish. And it simply says this was the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead just hanging with his disciples. And yet I think it's interesting that, that they didn't dare ask him who he was. Now think about that. Um, it's, it's as if there's this person you see on the shoreline, you don't really know who it is, then you finally figure out who it is, And then you go to them, and it's like this kind of everyday scene has been turned upside down to where it's now a scene that includes the risen Christ, the Son of God, the God of the universe in human form, sitting on a beach with them, eating fish and bread. And they, I think they looked around at each other. I'm not going to ask him who he is. You ask him who he is. No, I already know who he is. No, We don't need to ask him who he is. We all know who he is. And I think they all kind of smiled, and then they looked back at Jesus, and <clears throat> they just knew. And it was a special time of not only... Sharing a bre- breakfast together, but sharing his presence. And it was as if it was a new day. It was a new perspective. And it was a, a time when they just reveled in this opportunity. To fellowship with their Lord and Savior and so uh, that's what the Gospel of John is all about it is uh, very personal and I think the disciples came to know that in the first century I think we as disciples And the 21st century can know that as well. And we can just do life with Jesus day by day in the every day of life, whether it's at breakfast, lunch, or dinner, whether it's Monday or Friday or any day in between, whether it's Saturday or Sunday, The every day becomes a special day when you know Jesus is with you and he wants to do life with you. Jesus wants to bless the moments of your day with his presence. And so let the Gospel of John not only show you the power of the divinity of Jesus, but also the power of his presence that's very personal. And that the divine Jesus wants to be near you as you move through life. The routine of life becomes sacred, as it were, when he's with you. And so, as we wrap up the Gospel of John and wrap up these six episodes in this podcast about this wonderful Gospel, I just want you to realize three things Jesus is the source of the eternal life you need the abundant life you want and the good life you dream about. He is, first of all, the source of the eternal life you need. In John ten nine, He's, he's the door of salvation. He is the good shepherd that's given his life for you and taken it back. He's alive. He wants to give you the gift of eternal life, you need that. Everybody needs eternal life because the alternative is eternal death. And so he's your go-to person with a capital P, person, because he's divine. He's your go-to person for eternal life. And the Gospel of John has shared that with you and shown you him. And so I trust that you have come to him for eternal life. Because you need it, I need it, everybody needs it. He is the source of eternal life we need. And secondly, he's the source of the abundant life we want. John 10.10, it says that Jesus came to give us life and life more abundant. Isn't that interesting that it's two lives, if you will? It's um, the life where we begin that eternal life as a believer in him, that spiritual life, but it's also an abundant life. It's not only life where you're, you're on your way to heaven, but it's a life that along the way, on the way to heaven, you can have an abundant life here on earth. So we want that, don't we? We want the abundant life. Now, that doesn't mean that life is going to be a bed of roses and everything's going to come up roses and there's not going to be any dark times. But he's the light of the world, and he will overwhelm the darkness you're going through. And even that darkness will have meaning, and you'll see it as you just trust in him. But the abundant life can also be so many good and godly things, and you can discover the abundance of a relationship with Jesus where You're talking to him, and he's revealing to you through Scripture many wonderful things. You are seeing him do a work in your life and showing you which way you should go in life. He is answering prayer so that you can know that he is concerned about you. And what's what's best for you? Even when he disciplines you for that which you're not doing right and those things that you are doing wrong, he loves you enough to show you that. And you just come to have a rich relationship with him that is abundant and overflowing. And it's like, once you get to heaven you're going to be able to say i couldn't have done it without you and how true that will be and then thirdly jesus is a source of the good life we dream about the good life we dream about you know a lot of people have dreams they want to come true right in, um in John 10 14 it talks about the good life this this life that we dream about is is something and then it changes meaning it, it it's something when we're selfish about it and then it's something when we're unselfish about it What I mean to say is when you come to know Jesus as your Savior and Lord and your very life and lifestyle, then you move away from being selfish to being unselfish, and you want what Jesus wants for you. And you you find out that the good life is the life he can give you, not the life you can make for yourself. And so think about that. Why dream a dream in life that is only going to satisfy you? Why not dream a dream in life that will satisfy Jesus? Don't just be trying to please yourself with certain dreams you want to come true for you. But ask Jesus what his dreams are for you. And please him by wanting those same dreams. Sometimes we say, well, we dreamed it up. Whatever you dream up, you can accomplish. Well, maybe we shouldn't be dreaming up things on our own, but let Jesus dream up for us. And isn't it better and wouldn't it be better in life if we let him do the dreaming for us? I know the dreams that I've had on my own have not really been satisfying after they came true, but the dreams Jesus has had for me that have come true have been very satisfying. Jesus knows how to fulfill your life better than you do. And so I just desire for you that you take the Jesus Described in the Gospel of John In all of his power And his presence And his divinity And Allow him to be very Personal to you He's your personal Savior And he's also your personal Friend Jesus needs to be your Best friend Because friends Watch out for each other And oh, how Jesus can watch out for you better than any other friend. He'll always be loyal. He'll never lead you astray. He'll never tempt you to do anything you shouldn't. He will always be right there to help you. And he will have your best interest at heart. And all that we would... Know Jesus as our friend and return to Him friendship and be loyal to Him, be loving to Him, be there for Him. Tell other people about Him because if we have a good friend, we want to share Him with others so they can know what a great friend He is. And so as we wrap up, this podcast on the Gospel of John. I hope you've learned some lessons from the passages that we've talked about. But I hope you've learned more than anything who Jesus is. The divine one that is very personal as well. And that you can know him And to know him is to love him. And to love him is to serve him. And to serve him is to have a fulfilling life. And beyond that, to know that you have eternal life as well. And that one day you'll be able to stand in heaven next to John the writer of this gospel and I think we can be sure that John will say let me introduce you to the one I wrote about so many years ago here he is your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ.